Welcome to the Small Baller Podcast. My name is Trevor Reddick, and today I'm joined by a man who has taken quite a few L's this week, but not as many as me, Ben O'Brien. How are you doing today? Trevor, you know, I, I like the intro. Um, I think if we're talking about our, our March Madness brackets, Trevor, I think we've all taken some L's. That is for sure. I, I, do not, I have not talked to one person that has not said that this is the worst bracket they've ever had. So in that case, yes, absolutely. Um but, I mean, yeah, that's what happens in life, Trevor, right? You take some L's every once in a while. Um, but you, you move on. Life goes on. So I, I'm sorry to hear that you've taken some L's as well. I know you were telling me before we started recording about your L's. But that's okay. Life goes on. Um, this this shouldn't be an L. We're happy to be here. So um, we always have that, that going for us, Trevor. Yeah, you know, we're happy to be here, you know, and, and Brandon is not here today. I was going to make a joke, but, I, but then I told Brandon the joke I was going to make. I, I was just going to say that. Uh, you know, he was cheering on Coach K and he lost his voice, um, you know, because he is he is the biggest Coach K fan on this podcast. Me and me and uh, Ben, we don't stand for the Coach K propaganda. No. So that, that's why Brendan is not on the podcast. It's because we can't have the Coach K Duke propaganda. We, we just can't stand for it, Ben. And, I, and I'll, I'll even say this, Trevor, Brendan not being here is probably the best win I've had all week, if we're being honest. OK, you just said we had a week of L's, but this is a huge W, Brendan not being here. Because um, as we've established, as Brandon hasn't been here for like the last four years, uh, clearly our numbers were through the roof without Brandon here. And I'm just assuming that I haven't looked at the numbers. But I could imagine, Trevor, that we've probably at least like tripled our numbers in the, since Brandon hasn't been here. Because, again, he's not weighing us down. All right? we're free, we're, we are f- open and freely allowed to talk about Coach K and all the bad things that he does for college basketball. And I, we don't have, like you said, we don't have Brandon here um, to try to defend Coach K and all his inexplicable actions that he has uh, committed over the last – 40 years. I'm just kidding. I have no idea. I'm just making that up. But I can just say it because Brandon's not here to defend him and argue why he's the greatest coach in the history of the universe. So it is what it is. Yeah, I'm still trying to. I'm still trying to like wrap my mind around like what I think about this Duke season and like my feelings on Coach K. Because throughout my life, like I've always kind of liked Coach K, and I've always kind of, in a weird way, liked Duke. Like JJ Redick went there. You know, my my cousin, of yeah. course. He was <laughs> of a course, Duke Blue yes. Devil. You know, I love, like, Jay Williams, you know, I, I love Jay Williams, and I don't know, Duke's had a lot of Zion, like, I love watching Zion, I like R.J. Barrett, like, I, I, there's a lot of Duke alums, Jason Tatum, that I love watching play in the NBA, that I loved watching in college, and, you know, Coach K, you know, there's a lot of stories, for, I think it's a lot of the testimonials from his players that have made me like Coach K, uh, for a lot of it, but this season, I don't know, There's there's just been a lot of things that have been a little annoying, um, the media yeah, is the media is partly to blame in this, um, but I don't know. I I, I find myself kind of rooting for the other team. Like I last night, I found myself kind of rooting for Arkansas. I'm not entirely sure why. Absolutely, and, and I I agree with you, Trevor. I have a lot of I have a lot of thoughts on Duke, but I I, I kind of want to hold it until we get into yeah. into college basketball. But I I just a little teaser for the listeners. I have a lot of things I can say about college basketball, and they're, they're along the same lines as, as you. So we, we will definitely get into it when we get into college basketball. Yeah, for sure. And, and obviously we hope to uh, have Brandon back next week. He should be back next week. We'll see. He said, he said, that, he said that I should be back next week. So uh, Yeah, who knows? So like, we'll he's one of those, it's like Trevor, it's like he's, he's milking like a one-week vacation that he had from this podcast into like, into like a, a, a month vacation. So it's, it's one of those things where it's like, I'm going to take this day off, and then all of a sudden it turns into like four days off. That's Brandon right now. He's, he's milking it. He's yeah. milking. He knows that we can handle ourselves without him on here. 
because um, that was a concern. You know, like the first time he wasn't on here or whatever, that was a concern. I was like, I don't know if we can do this, Trevor, because he he does all the editing and stuff. But now that you yeah. can do it, I think he's like, oh, I'll be cool. They're fine. Like, I, I, they don't need me. And now he's milking it for sure. He's probably sleeping right now, taking a nap or something. So it is what it is. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, to start today's podcast off, a segment that I really wish we had Brandon for. We're going to talk about uh, some of the biggest NFL uh, trades, free, you know, free agent moves. It wasn't quite as big of a week as it was, you know, the weeks before that. But we do have a couple big ones, and we're going to start off with Tyree Kill. He's going to the Miami Dolphins um, in a big trade. I believe it was three. Um, I think it was two first round picks. And like a second, a fourth, and a sixth. I don't know. I have the article pulled up, but I don't know. I got exactly. you, Trevor. I got you. So the Dolphins get Tyreek Hill. The Chiefs get 2022 first round pick, second round pick, fourth round pick. And next year, 2023, a fourth round pick and a sixth round pick. So five draft picks total, three this year, two next year for Tyreek Hill. That's, I mean, that's crazy. Um, it, it's it's certainly, it's certainly a lot of picks. And I think, so I think this was a good move for the Chiefs. It, it might not be the greatest move short term. Like for this season, it feels like the Chiefs will be worse than they, than they, I mean, obviously, you know, Tyree Kelly's one of the best receivers in the NFL. You lose him, you take a hit. We understand that. Um, but looking at this long term, getting the picks that they got, which they can either keep all of these picks, they can use them. Um, but this is, a, I think, a really solid move from the Chiefs. And honestly, I think the, the biggest thought that I had was like, man, Andy Reid, he's, uh, he's taking a page out of the Bill Belichick book here. And he's, Absolutely. You know, and he's like, all right, we, you know, we've used up all of the, the greatness that Tyreek Hill has. I think he's now, I don't know, I think he's like 28 or something now. So like Tyreek Hill, you know, we, we've kind of seen the peak of what Tyreek Hill is. It's probably not that you know he'll probably still be good again this year, most likely. Um, but he's now 28 years old. It seems that we've gotten the best, and that he might be on the downslope here. And we know that Bill Belichick in the past was known for getting you know players leaving you know bef- as they wanted that big contract and getting off those big contracts so that they could then sign someone younger that can come along and be like kind of the next guy. I mean. The Patriots did that back in 2006 when uh, they let Deion Branch go, which Deion Branch was the two, was the Super Bowl MVP um, in the Super Bowl where the Patriots beat the Eagles. He was an incredible wide receiver. Two seasons later, they traded him to Seattle, and then obviously the Patriots, you know, they were stuck with only Rache Caldwell and Jabbar Gaffney as Tom Brady's receivers, his main receivers at least. Um, so we'll see what the Chiefs can do. Obviously, they're still going to be in the mix. Obviously, they had Patrick Mahomes. I do believe he's the best quarterback. They have Kelsey, you know, they're trying to, you know, improve this offensive line. They, they tried to improve that last year. So they'll still be in the mix, but I think this is a really good long-term move for the Chiefs because Patrick Mahomes isn't going anywhere anytime soon. No, He's going to be one of the best quarterbacks in the league for the next 15 years probably, you know, maybe more. So I like the move from the Chiefs. Uh, from the Dolphins' standpoint, um, you know, this is the, there's no more excuses for Tua. He has Jalen Waddle. He has Tyreek Hill. They have a pretty good defense. Like the pieces are there for the Miami Dolphins. Um, so now is the time. Let's see what Tua can do. Let's see how far the Miami Dolphins can go. Um, so yeah, overall, I think it's a good trade uh, for both teams. What do you think, Ben? I, I I agree with you, Trevor. I 
I love this trade for the Chiefs um, because, yes, they're getting rid of their best wide receiver and, and maybe the best wide receiver in the NFL, top, I don't know, three wide receiver in the NFL, four or five, whatever. Um, but like you said, Patrick Holmes isn't going anywhere. I mean, they got him for 10 years or whatever it is. He's not going anywhere. So what this does, and I love the, anal- the analogy used or the comparison used to the Patriots because, again, like the Patriots were really good at they turned what could have been and maybe should have been like a five-year run into like a 20-year run because they were able to not necessarily rebuild but just reload. And to me, that's what it feels like this Chiefs team is doing. Yes, they might take a small step back this year. Okay, Their wide receiver core is not great at the moment. But considering you have three extra draft picks this year and two extra draft picks next year, that is going to pay dividends down the lines in a couple years. Okay, so it allows them to, instead of maybe completely rebuilding with Patrick Mahomes and really nobody else in a couple years, now it allows you to take a step back now and continue to build off of that foundation that you already have. You don't have to create a whole new foundation. All right, you're kind of just adding to the foundation that's already there, which again was what the Patriots were able to do for so long and how they turned their their dynasty into like the longest we've ever seen in the NFL. Okay, so of course as a Bengals fan, I hate I hate that the Chiefs are doing this, but my first reaction when I saw this last week was I remember saying out loud, the first thing I said was, the Chiefs are going to be good forever. Because they are not, again, they're not necessarily rebuilding, but they're reloading. And they're reloading to where they, this can be a sustainable success for not just the next couple years, but for the next 10 years if they if they do this correctly and if they do the Bill Belichick method like you said. Okay, So for the Chiefs, I absolutely love it. I love it. If I'm a Chiefs fan, I'm thrilled. I'm through the roof. Yes, losing Tyreek Hill sucks. Okay, But that happens. Right? You can't keep the same team that you've had for 10 years. It's, it's impossible. It's not going to happen. People leave. People come. All right, They come and go. So the fact that they they were able to do this, where they can use these draft picks, and it, again, draft picks they have to work out, and nobody really knows for sure if they're ever if they're ever going to work out. But the fact that you get an extra first round this year, an extra second round this year, extra fourth round this year, that is huge. Okay, think about the amount of talent and the the players that they can get in those extra draft picks. If those players work out, they can be good for a very long time. And again, they're going to have the be- one of the best quarterbacks, if not the best quarterback in the NFL, for a very long time. They they sh- this is a this is a great move for them a fantastic move for them like you said they got their use out of Tyreek Hill okay Tyreek Hill ultimately if they're gonna have to if they're gonna have to re-sign him and, and or even extend him to what to the amount of money that the Dolphins did they were gonna the Chiefs were gonna run into some issues trying to pay everyone else okay because they already got Patrick Mahomes on the biggest contract freaking ever all right so the fact that they were to do, able to do this is, is phenomenal for them I again I, I love it I can't say enough good things about it even though I hate the Chiefs all right I agree with everything you said on the Dolphins as well. Dolphins have talent. They have a lot of talent, okay? And what it's going to come down to this year is if Tua can do it, okay? Because at least right now on paper, I can promise you that if they're not good next year, it's not going to be be because of their receiving core. It's not going to be because of their defense. It's probably going to be Tua's fault if they're if they're not great next year, if they don't if they don't get to the expectations that, that are set for them at the moment. Um, so if you're a Tua believer at this point, you're kind of all in, all right? This is the year that Tua's got to prove himself, okay? He's going into year three. He hasn't had a great couple years, especially considering the other quarterbacks that were drafted in his draft class with Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, who have done exceptionally well. Tua, this is a this is going to be a very big year for Tua. This is, I think, this year is going to kind of set out what Tua's limitations are and what he can do in his career, because again, the talent's there. All right, he's got the talent. The talent is there. The team's there. He's got a new coach, yes, okay, but he's got an offensive-minded coach, a coach that has done wonders for the 49ers for the last couple years. All right, Tua is going to be under a lot of pressure to to exceed and to deliver on everything that people said that he was capable of doing, even back when he was in college and he was he was getting drafted. So I'm excited. I'm I'm excited to see what Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle can do because they're both awesome to watch. They're super fun to watch. 
Um, and if Tua is able to find ways to get them the ball, they can be a, they can be a dangerous team in the AFC, as is pretty much every team in the AFC, but it's whatever. I'm not mad about it. It's whatever. Yeah. The AFC just uh, – just I mean, we already, we've already talked about it. It's a gauntlet. Um, and we have another, um, you know, notable quarterback. I, I don't think he's – he's not an elite quarterback at this stage of his well, he's career. He's a former MVP, so um, gotta, he's a former pay MVP. respect. Yeah, we got to pay him his respect. So uh, Matt Ryan, he's moving on from the NFC to the AFC, uh, traded to the Colts uh, from the Falcons. Um, so I, I don't know. For the Colts, if I'm a Colts fan, I think it's – a weird position to be in because it seems like as i talked about before the podcast it seems like they're treading water they go they get carson wentz who's like an all right quarterback he's like uh, you know probably you know around an average quarterback and i think matt ryan's not a ton different like i think matt ryan's more stable he's more experienced he's more proven um and i don't think matt ryan's gonna you know fumble the ball um you know in in <laughs> and a chance to win the game against the Jacksonville Jaguars, whatever it was. I don't think he's going to completely throw the game away like Carson Wentz um, proved that he uh, would do from time to time. So Matt Ryan is better than Carson Wentz, I, I guess, right? Like, I think he's better. But, yeah. I mean, in, in the AFC, I, I, don't, I don't think – and I saw, like, a couple articles where people were saying Matt Ryan makes the Colts contenders, and I just don't agree with it. Like, yeah. I, in this AFC, when you have – the Bills, the Chiefs, the Chargers now upgrading their roster. You still have the Bengals. You know, the Ravens had all those injuries. The Browns got Deshaun Watson. Uh, I mean, you still have the Tennessee Titans. Like, I don't know if the Colts are better than any of those teams, to be honest with you. Like, the Colts might be – you have the Denver Broncos as well. Like, the Raiders. You can keep going down the line. Like, I don't know if the Colts are – you know, seven teams make the playoffs. I don't think the Colts are a top seven team in the AFC when I go down the line. And – um. You know, their defense was pretty solid last year. They had a good O-line. Jonathan Taylor had an insane uh, statistical season. He was awesome. Are all of those things going to keep up again next year? Are they still going to have, you know, a solid defense like they had? Or is that going to regress? Is their offensive line going to regress? Is Jonathan Taylor going to put up the same numbers? Probably not. So, you know, in this competitive AFC, it's just hard to see a path for the Colts with Matt Ryan. Mm -hmm. And— and I'll tell you, Trevor, you used a term earlier before we started recording that was perfect. And you said they're kind of just treading water, which is which is exactly right. Like, they're they're doing enough to stay relevant, but what's the goal here? Is the goal in the NFL to have the 15th pick in, or the, I don't know, the 16th pick in the NFL draft every year? No. Okay? You want to win a championship, and the, the blueprint that they've had for the last couple of years is not going to win them a championship. Yeah, it might, it might be enough to keep them in the playoff hunt or maybe even make the playoffs as a wild card team. Um, and they're not in a great division anyway. But th- if I'm a Colts fan, I'm sitting there and I'm like, what are we doing? I mean, th- they're kind of in this like purgatory state. They're th- in this in-between state of we're not good, but we're not bad. Um, I mean, you had Phillip Rivers, who what, didn't play bad two years ago when he was on the team. He got into the playoffs, but that team was really good. And they had Phillip Rivers in the last year of his career. Then you got Carson Wentz, who can't stay healthy and has like, a, I don't know, a billion injuries and has two sprained ankles or whatever. And now you got Matt Ryan, who clearly is on the back half of his career. Okay, He hasn't played well really since his – um, MVP season in like 2016 or whatever. So it's just kind of one of these, if I'm sitting there and I'm like, I don't know, understand the direction of this team, okay? They really haven't had, I mean, they haven't had a franchise quarterback since Andrew Luck, okay? And they, I mean, they had, for so long they had Peyton Manning, one of the greatest quarterbacks ever, Andrew Luck, phenomenal talent that just retired early. He got beat up so much. And since then, it just seems like they haven't had a plan for for what, they haven't had a long-term plan. It's all these short-term, all these short-term solutions 
Um, but sometimes a short-term solution is not what you need. You, you need to have somebody that you know is going to be there for a long time. And signing these quarterbacks to all these one-year deals and these temporary solutions isn't showing, I feel like, one, your fans. It isn't showing your team that, that you really know what you're doing and that you feel like you are capable of going all in on this. Um, and especially, I mean, you're not drafting probably a franchise quarterback in this draft if you even want to draft a quarterback because, I mean, you got some talent in, the, in this draft class, but it's not a great draft class in general. Okay, so if if their goal is to eventually draft a quarterback that's going to be their next franchise quarterback, they're going to have to wait some time. It's not going to be a quick fix. So right now they're trying to do all these quick fixes that are just kind of bleh. They're kind of just whatever. So it, it's it's interesting, and it's kind of funny to me that now three years ago they've gotten the, these quarterbacks that it's kind of like, huh? Didn't really think, didn't see them going to the Colts. Didn't see I didn't see Philip Rivers going to the Colts. I didn't see Carson Wentz going to the Colts last year, and I definitely didn't see Matt Ryan going to the Colts this year. So it's one of those where it's like, I I see what you're doing. But me personally, I'm not a fan of it, and I don't really know what the long-term goal here is at all. Yeah, I mean, and, and we're both kind of being a little critical of the Colts, uh, which, Absolutely. you know, in this competitive AFC, like, it's, mm-hmm. you know, it's just kind of, it is what it is. But the reality yeah. is that, like, they needed to get one of the top quarterbacks. They needed to get Aaron Rodgers or Wilson or Watson to put them in contention, and they didn't get any of those guys. Those guys for whatever reason maybe they just didn't want to live in indianapolis like i i don't know i don't know what the reason is but for whatever reason they couldn't get one of those guys so if you can't get one of those guys then i guess if you're trying to be optimistic and you're trying to give the colts the benefit of the doubt then i guess in theory getting matt ryan was the best option they had available because the quarterback draft class sucks as you kind of mentioned um and you know they give up a third rounder of his pick number 82 overall so it's not like you're giving up a ton i guess for Matt Ryan, so it's fine. Um, they restructured his two-year deal. Uh, looks like he had a two-year deal for like fifty-four million remaining, and now it's largely Jeez. guaranteed. Um, yeah. So I, I guess you could say, you know, the Colts are gonna, you know, they're gonna try to be average with Matt Ryan mm-hmm. for the next two years, in theory, and then maybe they make their move. May, maybe there's another free agent quarterback that comes available that's unhappy. Then maybe yeah. in two years, then maybe they could get the the guy that can take them to the Super Bowl, or maybe they maybe Matt Ryan just completely falls off a cliff. Maybe the Colts are terrible, and then maybe they draft someone in two years. You know, so so yeah. I don't know. I think it's ultimately it's a tough situation, and I don't want to be too hard on the Colts. But in this AFC, I mean, they're just going to be an average team next year, I think. Yeah, and I mean, and pressure's on, like you said, because the AFC is fantastic, and they have talent. They absolutely have talent. I mean, they got Jonathan Taylor on their team. They have they have good players. They have a good defense. It's just a matter of that quarterback position has kind of been whatever these last couple of years, and it, it's clearly kind of been holding them back last year. Carson Wentz absolutely held them back at the end of last year. They they absolutely could have made the playoffs, and they probably should have made the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So that's kind of it for uh, the NFL. Um, obviously, you know, next week we'll we'll probably talk more about these moves. Uh, I'm sure Brandon's going to want to talk about some of these huge moves. But, uh, well, I mean, there's, no, there's, there's been 30,000 free agency signings since the last time we did on this <laughs> podcast. I mean, we could spend yeah. four hours next week just catching up with Brandon about everything that's happened the last month. Yeah, yeah. So so that'll be uh, good uh, next week for the pod. But uh, next up, we have Randomly Ranked, which we haven't done in a couple weeks. Um, this is the segment where we take a completely randomly, random, randomly, random talk it, topic and we rank it. So today, Ben, you had the idea. Would you like to announce the idea? Yeah, so it's just it's one of those things where it's something we've all you've all been in that position, okay? You go to the gas station, you need a snack on like a road trip, and it's like, well, what do I get at the gas station? There's 
seemingly thousands of options, hundreds of options that you can get at a gas station. So we decided, I decided to write, I don't know, what in our opinions, what are the top three snacks that your your top three go-to snacks that you would get at a gas station if you were on a long road trip and you just, you need something to hold you over for a couple more hours on the road. Um, so we're going to do top three gas station snacks, you could say, um, if you were on a road trip or you just had to stop with a, by a gas station for, for a quick bite or something like that. Um, Trevor, do you want to go first or you want me to go first? I'll let you pick. Up to you. Um, mine's boring, so maybe I should go first. All right, um, go ahead. I, I would never say that. That's on. I, I would never say that your list is boring, but if you think it's boring, <laughs> go for it. That's a great great way to motivate listeners to keep listening. I, I think it's an awesome <laughs> job there. But go ahead. Well, I, I'm excited well, to hear it. Let's hear it. Well, maybe that, that'll set the listeners' expectations low, so then maybe I can Smart. actually have one of my picks that they'll actually yes, like. Yes, I respect but, the strategy I do. But we'll see. Um, yeah, I know. I'm, I'm a little bit of a health snob, so I'm going to have a couple yeah, of healthy lame. things here. Um, but also, I tried to take into account, like, when when I'm thinking of gas station snacks, like, I have to be able to eat this while I'm driving. So yeah. when I was looking at the, the list that you sent in the chat that had, like, a, I think it was, like, top 58 or I don't know. But it had flaming Hot Cheetos at number one. And I was like, how in the world could someone and, – and I guess, you know, these are people who maybe they're in the back seat or they're in the passenger seat. I don't know. But in no way would I ever want flaming Hot Cheetos – uh, on like a road trip because I like I can't I can't go and wash my hands like maybe I can just like eat them in the parking lot and then go back in and wash my hands but if I'm eating flaming hot Cheetos I need to be able to wash my hands or have a wet wipe something so you know nothing like that was considered for my list uh, but anyway number three I'm starting off with blue diamond almonds I know yeah whatever um, blue diamond almonds like what kind of choice is that but blue diamond almonds are great specifically the the honey roasted almonds um, they are my favorite um, I get them pretty much every week at the grocery store they're awesome number two this one's a good pick and it's one of my favorite candies um, I'm going with Snickers a Snickers bar yeah, absolutely a Snickers yep. bar is perfect because um, you know if I'm if I'm not being healthy Snickers bar is obviously it's it's an amazing option because number one it tastes great I love chocolate I love Snickers and number two it doesn't get too messy you know you can just unwrap the wrapper you can drive with one hand you can eat the Snickers bar it's great you know so Snickers that's number two number one I went with a protein bar same thing with a Snickers bar as far as the convenience to eat right because you just you know pull the wrapper down very easy and you know if there's like a Nature Valley protein bar, that's probably the one I'll go for. But, you know, most protein bars will probably do in this situation. The gas station has a lot of options regardless of what gas station it is. So there's always tons of options for protein bars. So that's my number one. Yeah, so again, Trevor, this is hard because like there's so many options. And I can promise you I don't go into a gas station going, what's the healthiest thing I can find? Okay, maybe, maybe I'll go to a protein bar. We'll see. But um, there's a lot of options, so it's hard. Okay, so I got an honorable mention. Honorable mention, I got to go salt and vinegar chips. I love salt and vinegar chips. I think on this podcast a long time ago we did best chips, and I, I remember saying something about salt and vinegar chips on there. They're great, but I'm not I'm not going to put them in my top three. That's Again, Trevor, it kind of goes back to your idea of like a lot of sodium in salt and vinegar chips, so my mouth always feels kind of gross after I eat them. I wouldn't want to be in a car like that after I eat them. Um, but my number three is a honey bun. And the reason why I put a honey bun, Trevor, is because I think the only time I've ever had a honey bun is on a road trip from a gas station. I don't think I've ever gotten a honey bun that's not, like, just on a gas station as I'm getting back in the car. Um, anyway, as a kid, like, you're going on, going on vacation or whatever, you stop at a gas station, mom, I'm getting a honey bun. Like, I, I always, for whatever reason, I used to just go go for the honey bun. They're cheap, usually like a dollar, dollar fifty. Um, they're not expensive. 
I don't know, something nice to hold you over. So number my number three is a honey bun. Number two, got to go combos. Combos are great. Obviously, the original combos are the best. You got the pretzel with, with the cheese in the middle. You can get the cracker combos, cracker instead of a pretzel with cheese in the middle. They're not as good. They're still good, but they're not as good as the original pretzel uh, combination of it. So I got to go combos, number two. And then, Trevor, my number one, honestly, kind of goes against everything I was just explaining um, in terms of keeping it somewhat clean, but I guess honey bun's not that clean anyway. And Trevor, I got to go with something that I only ever consider at a gas station. I really only ever consider ever eating these at a gas station when I'm at a gas station. But I got to go hot fries. Got to go hot fries. You can't pass hot fries on a, on a shelf or on a rack at a gas station and not at least stop and consider getting them. Okay? And again, they're kind of spicy. They're kind of like that Flamin' Hot Cheetos take that you had, Trevor. And I don't hate that take. But for whatever reason, on a road trip, hot fries just seem like the right move. They do. They seem like the right move. They're spicy. But at least in my opinion, they're not too spicy to where I'm miserable. I don't think they're as spicy as Flamin' Hot Cheetos, for example, where I'd be uncomfortable. I think I can comfortably eat hot fries on the road if I have to. Um, so number one, I got to go hot fries. Great snack. Actually, shout out Bowling Green State University, Trevor. I used to get them at an outtake sometimes when Brandon and I would go down there. I used to get them at outtakes, which I don't even think that they have outtakes anymore. I think it's called something else. But um, I used to get hot fries at outtakes too. So I love hot fries. Great gas station snack in my opinion. That's my number one. Yeah, I mean, hot fries, I love hot fries. Uh, and, and shout out to my friend Devin. I mean, we used to always get hot fries like when, when we were kids, like in middle school, when we were playing yeah. you know, video games or whatever. I, I was just but, about to say, they seem like something that you'd be eating while you're playing like Modern Warfare 2 or something. Yeah, 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 totally. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, but like, how do you? So then, so then, what do you do if if you're eating hot fries? Like, are you driving? Like, while you're eating hot fries, are you in the passenger seat? Do you have like a wet wipe? Like, how do you how do you navigate that? Yeah, I I don't know. I haven't thought about it. You know, I haven't gotten hot fries at a gas station in years, but it's just either there on that list. I think honestly, what I used to do, Trevor, is you can eat them without using your hand. This sounds so stupid, but you can eat eat like hot fries where you kind of just like dump them in your mouth from the bag. You can okay. do it. Okay. I think if I was driving, I'd be less likely to get them. If I was a passenger, I, I think I'd be more likely to get them. Because, again, hands on the steering wheel, messy hands, wouldn't be a fan of it. But I think if I'm a passenger in the car, I'd be more likely to get them. So maybe my list is dependent on what, what position in the car I am. If I'm the driver, if I'm in the passenger seat. I think that does play a factor into my decisions. But overall, if I'm just going, there's no variables here. It's just whatever. It's just gas station on the road. I'm going to pick hot fries, more likely than not. Okay. All right, fair enough. I mean, hot fries are good. I do definitely enjoy them. Um, good. So, I, and I'm glad. Again, I'm glad that you agree because I feel like Brandon. If Brandon was here, he'd say they're not good. So I'm glad that that we can agree and not have a, an idiotic <laughs> comment like Brandon would probably have if he was here. They're good. They they would have never made my top three because they're messy, but they are really good. Um, all right, I can respect that. <laughs> but all right, that's kind of our uh, randomly ranked segment. Uh, next, we're gonna move into the NBA. And to be honest with you guys, uh, <laughs> I, I I'm. I've kind of been trying to ignore the NBA lately. The past, you know, four me. or five days, I've been trying to ignore the NBA because uh, my favorite team, my favorite team, is the Miami Heat, and um, it's been a rough week for the Miami Heat and their fans. So the Miami Heat, if you haven't seen this yet, if you haven't seen the video, they had a little bit of a bench altercation um, on their game in their game against the Warriors on um, two, on Wednesday. It was, um, I believe, or. I'm on the wrong week on this NBA scoreboard. But they played the Warriors. They lost 118 to 104. And, it, you know, it was just one of the one of the few horrible performances we've gotten from the Heat 
this past week. They've now lost four in a row. And in this bench altercation, uh, it seemed like a conversation in a timeout between Jimmy Butler and Eric Spolstra, which I have no idea what Jimmy Butler said, what he did. We didn't see that part of it. We didn't see that in the video. What we saw was, you know, Eric Spolstra kind of, you know, his facial expressions getting a little animated. And it seemed like whatever Jimmy Butler was saying, um, I, I don't know. It, like, it was unclear if Jimmy Butler, like, wouldn't to fight Eric Spolstra. I think Eric Spolstra mouthed the words, like, what, do you want to fight me or something like that. And then you had Udonis Haslam, who, of course, he was in, he was in the huddle. Um, and he seemed to get very heated um, about this instance at Jimmy Butler. He was really defending Eric Spolstra big time, and he was going after Jimmy Butler a little bit. Um, clearly had a lot of things to say. And, you know, really, like a lot of people, you know, they're going to bring up, oh, Jimmy Butler, he's had so many instances like this now. Like every team he's been on, the Bulls, the T-Wolves, the 76ers, although I don't really remember him having instances like this with the 76ers. Um but now with the Heat, right, he's had these instances. And for me, I don't know. I don't totally agree. Like, sure, Jimmy Butler from time to time, he does cross the line a little bit. I think that's pretty clear. But um, ultimately, to me, Jimmy Butler, he's one of the biggest competitors in the NBA today. Um, he wants to win really bad, just like, you know, everyone on the Heat does. I mean, this is, you know, this is a tough team. Everyone wants to win. A lot of veterans on it. And sometimes that can get the best of Jimmy. Sometimes the way he expresses uh, that is probably not the best. He doesn't always have the best approach, but he wants to win. And right now the Heat are not winning. They they suck. Uh, they were getting destroyed by a Warriors team who was without Steph, not only Steph Curry, of course, they were without him, but they also did not have Klay Thompson in this game, and they also did not have Draymond Green in this game. So the Warriors, with Andrew Wiggins and Jordan Poole, completely destroyed the Heat on their home floor. This game was in Miami as well. I mean, across the board, it's just inexcusable. And they followed that up with a pathetic performance on Friday against the Knicks, where they lost by eight. And Jimmy had a pretty good game, but they lost again. And then last night, to continue to just make matters worse, they go and play Brooklyn, and they get completely annihilated. The game ended up being a 15-point game, 110-95. to but I remember checking the score last night when I was not watching the Heat. I was watching college basketball, but checking the score. And at one point, the score was 82-55. to 55. The Nets were beating the Heat by 27 points. So just like, uh, you know, this is a string of horrible performances by the Heat at the absolute worst time. You know, I mean, yeah, the playoffs start in definitely. about two, three weeks from now. So this is horrible timing, um, you know. And, and I don't know. It, it's hard to pinpoint exactly the reasons for this, you know. I mean, the Heat have started to get all their players back, so I think there has d definitely been some difficulties incorpor incorporating everyone. Like, Victor Oladipo finally came back, and they're finally getting healthy, um, which is, is great, right? Like, you think in theory, okay, they're getting healthy. This is awesome, you know, as the playoffs are ramping up. But, you know, everyone wants to see the floor. Everyone wants to get minutes, and everyone wants to play, but not, all, not, not everyone can play. So I think it's been difficult to kind of uh, incorporate everyone and still uh, keep going on the trend that the Heat have been on, which they've been playing really well. They've been the number one seed, although now Philly is tied with them. Um, and it's just it's just horrible timing. And, and right now, um, as far as like the panic meter for me, I think I'm at like a 7 out of 10 um, just because of all the losing. I really don't like what I'm seeing. Um, 
and it, it just sucks. It, it really sucks. We'll see. Uh, their next game is against Sacramento, so hopefully that's a get-right game for Miami. Yeah, they be. can turn it, it around. Um, yeah. A get-right game against Sacramento, that would be good. But I don't know. I, I don't feel great about it. I, I really don't, Ben. So let me ask you this, Trevor. Do you think, with the talent they have and the fantastic coach and Eric Spolster they have, do you think, I, I get it's the worst time possible, but do you think they can turn this around to where they can, they can have a successful run in the playoffs, whether that's get to the finals and maybe, but maybe even just get to the Eastern Conference Finals, do you think that they have the ability to turn it around before the, in the next couple of weeks as the playoffs are, are looming? Um, I mean, like, to be honest with you, like, totally honest, I, I don't think they can. I, I don't okay. really think they can. I think that, and again, it, a lot of this stuff depends on the playoff matchups that you get, um, yeah. you know, but so we'll see who, the, who they match up with. We'll see what C they get because – the top four seeds are all within a half game of each other. So realistically, mm-hmm. the Heat could be the one seed or they could be the four seed. That you know, they could easily be the four seed as well. So we'll see what the matchups are. But I I don't think they'd beat Milwaukee in a series. Um, Brooklyn, I I'd probably pick Brooklyn in a series over them. And I think yeah. I'd probably pick the Boston Celtics in a series over them. Right now, I mean, the Boston Celtics have been clicking. They've won five in a row. Uh, they have the best uh, point differential in the Eastern Conference, um, and Jason Tatum's been incredible. So I think I would pick Boston over them too. Uh, Philly, Philly's I don't know. Philly's a little bit tougher uh, for me to say. We I mean we we haven't seen them play each other when they were fully healthy because every time Philly plays the Heat, James Harden and Joel Embiid sit out. Well, James Harden does at least. So I I don't know. Um, but I think right now there's at least you know, probably two or three teams that are better than the Heat, which previously I might have said that they were the second-best team in the East a couple weeks ago, but now I think they're maybe fourth, you know, maybe even fifth. Like, I, I don't feel yeah. great about it. Um, so we'll see we'll see what happens, I guess, with that. Um, now, with that being said, uh, Small Bowler Player of the Week, I'm going to give that out to Udonis Haslam just <laughs> you quickly. Got to. Yeah, Again, you have to. like, got to give it to UD, you know, standing up for Spo. Definitely love that, but but we'll see what happens. Um, I'll hope for the best, but I'll I'll keep my expectations low if that makes sense. Absolutely. Okay, so that that was the heat thing. I uh, don't have to talk about them anymore. Um, next thing, I just want to get straight into the MVP race because um, this has been something that I've really enjoyed. I've really enjoyed this storyline all season. It's been such a close race, mostly a three-player race between Nikola Jokic, Joel Embiid, and Giannis Antetokounmpo. Now, there, there have been, like, these campaigns for other players, like DeMar DeRozan, he was on his run back mostly in, like, February, and people were, you know, Bulls fans were like, where's the DeMar love, like, right? Like, at the time, then you had John Morant, he goes on this run. It's like, John Morant, he should be in the MVP conversation. We saw it with Luka, you know, a week or two ago. And now we're getting it with Devin Booker. People are like, Devin Booker, he needs to be at least, like, fourth in the MVP conversation. And then, you know, you see, like, the MVP ladder comes out or something. and Or I don't know if it was the MVP ladder, but it was something that – some ranking that didn't have Devin Booker in the top five. And Suns fans are going nuts. Like, how is Devin Booker not in the top five? But ultimately here, like, as great as those players have been, as great as Devin Booker has been with the Suns, number one seed in the West – He's been incredible, you know, without Chris Paul for the past couple weeks. As great as Luka's been, Jason Tatum, John Morant, DeRozan, it's a three-player race. It's between Jokic, Giannis, and Embiid. And I think it's really been going back and forth. 
Last time we really talked about this in detail, I said it was Joel Embiid, but it was like barely. It was barely Joel Embiid. Now, I think Jokic has the edge. I think Jokic has taken the lead in the MVP race. I mean, looking at his numbers, he, he leads the league in uh, player efficiency rating with almost 33, averaging about 26 points, 14 rebounds, and 8 assists, and shooting 58% from the field. And then you look at, uh, you know, the, in the standings, Denver is the sixth seed, but I mean, you know, they're 44 and 31, you know, so they're, you know, 13 games above 500, 44 and 31. They're only, it looks like, Let's see, Philly's 46 and 27, so they're only a few games back from Philly in theory, and they're only a couple games back from Milwaukee. So if you're comparing those teams, Denver's only a couple games worse than both Milwaukee and Philly, and Jokic, um, to me, has a, a worse supporting cast, pretty pretty clearly, I would say, actually. Um, like Philly, yes, you know, Joel Embiid, he's been without, obviously, Simmons, he was without him all year, and then they got you know, hardened about a month, month and a half ago now. Uh, and Giannis has had Middleton and Holiday for pretty much the entire season. Although, yes, they've had some role players like Brooke Lopez out. But when I look at the supporting cast, Jokic pretty clearly to me has the worst supporting cast. And Jokic is, of the three, he's the best offensive player. Um, now, he's also the worst defensive player, um, right? So so it's very close. you got to, like, work through. It's like, how much are we weighing defense? How much, you know, are we really dissecting? Like, what is the impact on defense that Jokic has had compared to the impact that Giannis and Embiid has had? I think they've all been really good on defense. And I think Jokic has improved tremendously, enough so to where I think his defense isn't... Like, his defense is the worst of the three, but I don't think it's, like, a ton worse. I don't think that Embiid and Giannis are, like, way better defensively. I think he's closed the gap enough to where the fact that he's the best offensive player of the three... And he has, like, a, a pretty bad supporting cast. I mean, his second-best player is, I guess, Aaron Gordon. Like, I don't know. He's had no Jamal Murray or Michael Porter Jr. for essentially the whole year. I think right now Jokic has the edge, but there is still very much a chance for Embiid or Giannis to take it back. Um, so, you know, we'll see how the race shakes out. Uh, what, do you, what do you think, Ben? Do you have a person that, that you think you give the MVP to, or, or what do you think about the MVP race? Well, I mean, considering the very little amount of NBA I watched, I'll say this, okay? I'll give you I'll give you my completely honest take, Trevor. They're all good, okay? They are all good. And yeah. yes, absolutely, it's a, it's a three-person race. No question about that. Three-person race. Now, I think if you're looking at the – MVP's hard, okay? MVP's always a hard, hard discussion, okay? Because in my opinion, Giannis is the most talented of those three, mm-hmm. all right? But it's, if it's a question of who's having the better season – I think I'm going to go with Jokic. I do. I think I'm going to go with Jokic. Okay? Now, it's tough. And I don't really know the people that vote on this. You never really know. Okay? It's, it, 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 typically, it's a regular season award. It's about who had the better season. Okay? So, if I'm looking at their stats, I'm probably most likely going to go with Jokic over the other two. Now, it's close. And I, I, I do not think I'd be upset in the slightest if any of these three win. I really don't. Um, also, I'd like to point out, I think it's interesting how it says a lot about the NBA at the moment, and maybe this just this year has been weird. But the three MVP, I mean, the three guys in MVP are all big guys. Now yeah. it's twenty twenty two. They're all big guys that can shoot, but you don't have any. Neither none of those three are guards, right? None of those three are guards. Now, like you said, Booker maybe fourth. He's a guard, okay. But you got three big guys, three guys that do a lot of their work down low. 
um, that are the three best players in the NBA this year. So I just think that's interesting. And um, I think it's a, it absolutely shows what the NBA is looking for in terms of guys that can post up down low like all three of these guys too. But at the same time, all three of these guys can step out and shoot a three. And underrated part of, I think, all three of these guys' game is they all can pass. They can all share the ball. Um, so I think it says a lot about what direction the NBA is headed in terms of you need to have that, you know, quote-unquote positionless basketball player. That is how you're going to win is you have positionless basketball players. All three of these I would consider a positionless basketball player in terms of they all have strengths that 10, 15 years ago you did not see in a big guy. You did not see in people that are their size that 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 take up or that use so much of their production down low. Um, it's interesting. I, I just think it's interesting, and it shows a lot about where basketball is headed. But, again, I haven't watched a whole lot of the NBA. But if you're going to put me on the spot, I would say I'll, let's give it to Jokic. Why not? I like Jokic, and I think he's a phenomenal player, great passer, um, and I think he's having the best year of the three of them in my opinion. Yeah, and just out of that, like, like of the three, I think Embiid's the most, like, conventional. Like, he's the most, like, yeah, okay, you can look at Embiid and you can see, like, you know, things that, you know, other great bigs, like an Hakeem, yeah. Hakeem Olajuwon, like, you can look at Embiid and say, okay, this kind of makes sense. But then also, Embiid is shooting 36% from the three-point line, yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> which is pretty crazy. So he definitely, you know, he can shoot a little bit and he can pass, so... Yeah, it's very it's a very interesting race. Uh, but that kind of concludes uh, the NBA. Uh, next up, we got the NCAA tournament. We've had a lot of good games, a lot of interesting storylines. Um, and I, I kind of want to start just quickly. I, I want to go over this Arizona TCU game. I know it happened last Sunday, um, but I I really have loved this Arizona team the whole year. So I just wanted to talk about this game quickly because you know they they went in overtime, eighty five to eighty. Um, this game was super close. You had like the questionable no call where TCU's player had the ball near the half court line, and it seemed like maybe he was pushed. I don't know, but then Arizona gets the turnover from that, and they go and score. Um, you know, and and that's how you know they they force overtime. Then they go on to win the game. And Arizona, I mean, Ben Matherin was incredible in this game. Just like. Really, I mean, the biggest takeaway is Matherin just did not want to go home in this game. He absolutely refused to lose. He had 30 points. Um, he had eight rebounds. You know, got to the free throw line a bunch, played, you know, some good defense, um, you know, on critical possessions. And then you had Christian Coloco, who had 28 and 12. He had, you know, the exclamation point dunk that kind of seemed to seal the game there for Arizona, and he only missed one shot the entire game. Christian Coloco shot 12 of 13 from the floor. So these guys are both just, you know, players that I've loved watching all season. Uh, they're both going to be, you know, pr- they're both, I think probably both of them are going in the first round of the draft. Matherin certainly uh, is probably a lottery pick. Coloco uh, seems like he'll probably be, you know, either late teens or in the 20s, I would guess. Um, so just really interesting team to watch all season. It's kind of unfortunate that they are no longer in the tournament. But just wanted to mention that. And then also shout out to TCU. I mean, TCU, not a team I expected to really do anything in this tournament, to be honest. I picked Seton Hall to beat them. But really just, you know, their grit, you know, the defensive intensity that they showed in this game is really to be commended. And TCU, just a really good team, you know, with Jamie Dixon uh, at the helm. Um, but we have the Sweet 16. And then in, in the Sweet 16, I mean – I guess, where do you want to start, Ben, in the Sweet 16? What do you think is the, the biggest storyline that, that we need to start at? Well, I I think 
we got to start with Gonzaga. We got to do it, okay? Because Gonzaga okay. is one of those teams where, and I think I said this last week or two weeks ago, whenever we were doing the brackets, I was so low on them because of how of how much they broke my heart last year in terms of they should have won last year. Last year was their team. They were a team of destiny, it seemed like. They were going to go undefeated. They were going to be the first team to do that in forever. Um, and that was their chance, and they blew it. And I think that was Mark Few's best chance to win a championship. They blew it. They just did not play well in the slightest in that championship game against Baylor. So I didn't have a lot of faith in them going into the tournament this year. In the first couple of games, um, you know, Georgia State hung with them for a while. Memphis hung with them the whole game. I was sitting there, and I'm like, I don't know if I like this Gonzaga team. I don't know if I do. And in the back of my head, I'm thinking, oh, they're going to they're gonna win the whole thing this year because I was, a, I was a year too early on them. I was all in on last year. They didn't deliver. This year, they're going to deliver. Um, so when they lose to Arkansas, I'm sitting there and I'm going, I shouldn't be surprised. I am surprised, but I shouldn't be surprised because one, Eric Musselman's a fantastic coach and he's had that, that Arkansas program is, I mean, what he's done in that program in in the last just few years is phenomenal. He's, he's taken that program and, and put them on levels that they could not have even dreamed of five, four years ago. Um, but at the same time, it's Gonzaga. They're sitting there with, with, with possibly the best player in college basketball one of the best players in college basketball they have multiple players from that from that team from last year they have um you know a coach that's one of the best coaches in college basketball they've been one of the best programs in college basketball for 20 years i'm sitting there and i'm like they should not be doing this year after year after year where they just come up short and they're close to to being really really good but they just haven't been able to do it um, so I, I think that, at least in my opinion, looking back at the, at this Sweet 16, that's the thing that I take away the most, the fact that Gonzaga, year after year after year, and this year no different, they failed to reach their expectations in terms of winning that championship. They've been right there for the last however many years. I mean, they've been relevant for 20 years. They've been kind of that championship caliber for the, at least the last probably seven or eight years, and they continue after you know every year to, to, to not reach their expectations that are set for them, especially this year and last year as the number one overall seed. Yeah, I mean, with Gonzaga, um, I mean, this game, I don't know. Like, like I do have to give credit to Arkansas. Like, Arkansas played in a fabulous game. Like, they were awesome. They really made Gonzaga uncomfortable. Um, you know, Chet got into foul trouble. But I, I can't help but – and, you know, Arkansas, they, they won this game. They deserved the win. But at the same time, like, a couple of those calls on Chet – didn't were certainly questionable at be, at worst I guess or or at best, um, and I don't know him fouling out like the third, the fourth, and the fifth foul to me were all pretty questionable. I don't know. I don't want to say that none of them were fouls, but I think at least one or two of them weren't fouls. And if Chet was playing, I don't want to say that Gonzaga definitely would have won, but I think they might have won if he went and fouled out there. So yeah, it's it's kind that. of unfortunate that that is something that happened like that is a part of the storyline of this game at least in my opinion it's part of the storyline um but nevertheless like arkansas did play an incredible game like jalen williams has been awesome throughout this tournament he had 12 rebounds 15 points uh three blocks so he was awesome jd note um shot the ball quite a lot but um also was very impactful like he he had 21 points uh played a really good game and again just their defense like arkansas you know uh, you know, must the must boss Eric Musselman? He coaches them up to play really good defense, um, and that was a huge part of the, their identity. So, really good game from Arkansas there. Um, the the big storyline that I wanted to go to, uh, and and yes, they have now lost, and now that we are recording this, but Kelvin Sampson and Houston, the run 
that uh, Houston went on in this tournament is really just incredible. And they lose to Villanova in the Elite Eight, 50-44. to 44, But the fact that they go and they, you know, they, they beat UAB pretty easily, I would say. Then they go and kind of dominate Illinois. Like, Illinois was a really solid team all year. They have Kofi Coburn and, you know, a really good team, you know, Plummer and, and those guys. But Houston kind of dominated them. And then they go and they beat Arizona pretty soundly as well. Just like their defensive impact, their ability to force turnovers. Um, you know, it, it's really incredible. Coming from, you know, in December where they lose their two best players, now they're still, they don't really have one star, but they just play this brand of basketball where they can always keep it close and really make you feel uncomfortable when you're on the offensive end, you know, trying to pass the ball. Like, even trying to get the ball in the post, like, feels like such a difficult thing to do against Houston. And it was just so impressive to watch. I really enjoyed watching Houston uh, throughout this tournament just because it's, it's such a different style from the team that beat them in Villanova in the Elite Eight, which was very much a, you know, we're going to move the ball, we're going to slow down the pace. You know, we're very, like, organized. Like, we want to be organized. Yeah. We want to space the floor, get good shots, whereas Houston really thrives in chaos. So watching that game yesterday was really interesting. I know that a lot of people are probably going to say, like, oh, no, that game sucked because it was low scoring. I disagree. I thought it was actually a great game. I really loved it. Um, but Houston in, the, in that game just could not put the ball in the basket. I mean, they went 1 of 20 for 3, um, and they fall short. They had a lot of opportunities. But uh, uh, Villanova moves on. So, I, I mean, it, you know, it's really interesting. Like, I'm, I'm glad to see Villanova move on. But at the same time, that Houston team, I was really enjoying uh, their one as well. So, so you, you brought up Villanova, okay? I want to I want to give you my Villanova take now, and I texted it, this to you yesterday, Trevor. Villanova is is a team, and I don't know why. I have no idea why, but I love them for no reason. I do, and they're good. So I feel like I, I if I'm gonna take the Duke route of like, oh, they're, they've been good for a while now. I feel like I should hate them, but I love Villanova. They're fun to root for. I feel like they're fun to root for. I don't know if it's Colin Gillespie, who I feel like has been there for like 40 years. Um, Jay Wright, who's just a baller in general. He's a fantastic coach, a fantastic recruiter, a really good in-game coach. Um, I love Villanova. I enjoy rooting for them. And again, I have no connection to them. I don't know why I like them. I mean, they've won two national championships in the last six years. Like, I feel like I should not be liking them as much as I do, but I really like them. They're fun to root for. Um, and I can promise you, Trevor, depending on what happens today as we're recording on Sunday, they're probably going to be who I'm rooting for in this Final Four um, because they are just a really, really fun team to watch. Um, and I guess, you know, growing up, they were always that team for a long time. Their their stigma was kind of the Gonzaga of, like, they just never delivered in the, in the tournament. They always got lost to a team they shouldn't yeah. have lost to in the tournament. And that 2016 championship kind of turned it around, at least in my opinion, of, oh, they, they now know how to win. They know how oh, to string sure. together six wins to win a tournament. Um, and ever since then, it's been like, you do not want to play Villanova in the tournament. I don't care how good they are that year. I don't care what seed they are. You do not want to play Villanova in the tournament. And they've proven that multiple years now um, of just how good they are in this, this setup of you playing two games in, in three or four days and you're doing it multiple weekends in a row. For whatever reason, Jay Wright has kind of perfected that recipe to, to make these runs in the tournament. Um, and I've enjoyed watching every second of it these last however many years. Yeah, I mean, Villanova completely changed the narrative. Like, they were a team that, it's like insane. you said, yeah. they were known for, like, losing games they shouldn't lose in the tournament, yep. going out early. Like, th there were a few different upsets they had in, like, the early 2010s 
where they just I, I can't I can't tell you the names teams off of my head, but I remember games where they completely blew it, and then they win the championship in 2016, then they win again in 2018, and now they're known as like this very consistent, solid team that you trust, like you trust that. Oh, you, you can't forget about Villanova, you know. They're going to be in the mix, and they have such a really solid team. And, like, I agree. T- I agree. I think, like, as far as you, you know, kind of rooting for Villanova, I kind of root for Villanova as well just because yeah. of the brand of basketball that they play. Like, I-, I already said it, but they're so organized. The way they share the ball, it just – it really makes sense. And, you know, they don't have, like, this overwhelming amount of talent either. Like, they're not – they clearly are nowhere near the level of talent that like a Duke has per se, or even a Gonzaga, but they just, you know, they, they know how to win. They're very experienced and uh, you know, Jay Wright's their coach. And I, I think Jay Wright's probably the best coach in college basketball. Uh, the only thing with them now is that Justin Moore, he went down. He, you know, he hasn't, he, I don't know. I'm, I'm a little worried about it. He's supposed to get an MRI um, when they land uh, back um, you know, this week, so we'll see what the MRI shows. We'll see, you know, I, I th- but I think, like, they were saying it's something either in, like, the the Achilles or the ankle. Like, it's it's something like that that seemed wrong. I know that he has no broken bones because we did get that report, but we'll have to see what that MRI shows. And I, I'm, I, you got to be worried um, because Justin Moore is such a big part of what Villanova does. And him being limited or, you know, not, not being the same player, that certainly uh, hurts their chances quite a lot. So hopefully it's not too bad. Hopefully it's more minor and that he's, you know, near or just completely the same player. That would be great. Uh, the next story that – well, the next thing that we have to mention, we got to talk about St. Peter's again because St. Peter's, um, they went in the Sweet 16, and now they're in the lead Eight. They're playing North Carolina today. It's a big matchup. Um, you know, we never had a 15 seed make the Elite Eight. And a 15-8 matchup, I mean, we've never had a 15-8 matchup ever. This has never happened. Where a 15 and 8 have matched up, obviously, you know, the Elite Eight, I guess, is, well, it could happen in the Final Four of the championship, too. But the Elite Eight is the only place it could really happen, I guess, in this region. So that's going to be really fun. And, you know, St. Peter's, I think every game they played, well, the Kentucky game, obviously, I was like, Kentucky's definitely, Kentucky's going to win, right? But yeah. then since then, like, when they played Murray State, my my take was like, you know, St. Peter's could beat Murray State, but I think Murray State will win. They're the better team on paper. They're, you know, they're more, like, they're the better team. They just are. So I think Murray State will win. Not that Murray State's, you know, some amazing team, but they will beat St. Peter's. I had the same exact opinion against Purdue. It's like, St. Peter's could beat Purdue. Purdue is not a juggernaut, you know. I haven't really trusted Purdue all year, but I was like, Purdue is the better team. They have Jaden Ivey. He's a you know top five pick. They have Travion Williams. They have Zach Eady. They will beat St. Peter's. They didn't beat St. Peter's. And now with North Carolina, I, it's, it's a little bit of the same thing. Now, here's my hot take about today's game. This isn't about like who I think is going to win. It's just about who I want to win. I want North Carolina to win this game. And, mm-hmm. and listeners probably are cringing at this, you know, Ben, I, I, I know you don't, you don't I'm agree with this, but yeah. I want North Carolina to win this game. And my reason is, is this, we cannot have Duke and St. Peter's in the final four because just like straight up, Duke is going to annihilate them. Duke would annihilate St. Peter's. It, it's, it wouldn't be a close game because Duke, I mean, Duke has four first round picks, Palo Bancaro, Mark Williams. There's no way 
that St. Peter's would have any chance against Duke. There just isn't – I don't see it. I don't see any way. Now, they might – they totally might beat North Carolina. They really might. I don't think they will. But, again, I don't want to reverse jinx it here because I want North Carolina to win. But it's going to be an interesting game. Like, St. Peter's, they play the zone. It's had – it had a lot of effects on Purdue. I mean, Jaden Ivey was a virtual no-show in the Purdue-St. Peter's game, which really – has me a little concerned about Jay Nivey's uh, draft prospects, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, but their guards were not good um, for Purdue. They tried to rely a lot on their size, but they didn't like fully go all the way with the size because Zach Eady, their guy that's seven foot four, uh, Matt Painter took him out with like five minutes left in the game, and they just said yes, like Zach Eady, we just we don't we don't trust him in the last five minutes because well he's not you know he's not a mobile big he's very much like a like it doesn't seem Zach Eady is the type of player who's played basketball for that long. Like, it, it seems mm-hmm. like he's the type of guy that probably started playing basketball in, like, 10th grade because the coach was just like, hey, why you're don't tall. you come try out for the basketball game? Yeah. Your basketball team, you're, you're tall. Like, we could use you. And he, and he was like, all right, I'll do it. It seems like he's that type of guy. But against St. Peter's, like, there were a couple times, and he, and he did miss a few of those bunnies. He missed a couple close shots. But I don't know. In my opinion, I kind of would have had him out there. Um, along with Travion Williams, who also had a size advantage over St. Peter's, and Purdue opted not to do that. Uh, St. Peter's wins, and the run continues. Like it's it's certainly fun. I I will definitely acknowledge that. Like I've loved seeing St. Peter's win, like everyone has. You know the Peacocks. They you know let's see if they can keep strutting. But I think I think I wanted to end here. You know what, what do you have to say about that, Ben? So, Trevor, you saying that you want. St. Peter's to lose is basically saying that you hate fun. All right, you're basically saying you hate <laughs> no. fun. Okay, no, you not. are, and I get it. I absolutely understand your reasoning because I'm. What I'm doing is again, we, we. By the time you're listening to this, you might already know who who won. The final four might already be set, but we don't know. I'm looking at this game that will be played shortly, and I'm going honestly. I think it's a win either way. I do. I think it's a win either way, and it I is. understand your thought process of Duke versus North Carolina in the final four is a way better storyline for the next five days that we'd have to listen to, or no, next six and, days and, that we'd have to listen North to. And North Carolina it. can beat Duke. St. Peter's cannot I agree. beat Duke. I agree. Duke versus UNC is a way better storyline. It'll be a way better game next Saturday than a Duke-St. Peter's game would. I'm not arguing that. I completely agree. But I'm li- I'm a prisoner of the moment, Trevor. I'm living in the moment. I'm not worried about what's going to happen next Saturday. I'm worried about what's going to happen today, and I think a freaking 15 seed, all right, from Jersey City, New Jersey, with a population of 3,000 students being in the Final Four would be like the greatest thing that I've ever seen in my life, other than the Bengals making the Super Bowl, of course. I think it'd be phenomenal to watch St. Peter's beat another Blue Blood, um, go to the Final Four. I think it'd be I think it'd be so fun. And yes, I agree. I think that Final Four game would suck. It would not be a good game. Duke would murder them. But I don't care about that. In the moment right now, as we're recording, as it's about 1 o'clock Eastern time on Sunday. I want St. Peter's to win. All right, I'm rooting for the Peacocks. I've been rooting for them this whole time. They're fun to root for. Um, and again, they're a good team. Okay, and a couple things I noticed when I was watching them play Purdue, and I rewatched the last couple minutes yesterday. In my opinion, there's three things that you need to be good at if you're going to make a run in the tournament. Okay, at least that I can think of off the top of my head. Three things. Okay, one, you got to have good guard play. All right, that's that's common knowledge. Everybody knows that. Okay. St. Peter's has really good guards, all right? That number five at Banks or whatever his name is, really, really good. Number 15, another small guard, uh, like Lee or something is, is his last name. He's really good. They have two really good guards, all right? Second thing, you got to be able to rebound. They rebound very well, all right? Their bigs are not the most physical, and Purdue very clearly tried to abuse them down low, but they are able to rebound when it matters. 
okay? And they are able to do just enough download defensively and offensively to get the job done. Third thing, and probably, in my opinion, the best thing that they have going for them is that they are a really good free throw shooting team. They make their free throws, okay? Yeah. That Purdue game down the stretch, they made like their last six or seven free throws that I just in the last couple minutes that I watched. They didn't miss one down the stretch. That Kentucky game, I don't remember them missing one. Maybe they missed one or two down the stretch, okay? They make their free throws when it matters, and there's nothing more frustrating than a team losing a game because they couldn't make their free throws. So if it's a close game, and maybe even St. Peter's is up by a point or two with 30 seconds left, I like their chances because they have guys that are all 80-plus percent free throw shooting. They can make their free throws, and that is such an underrated and such an important part of, of winning in these tournaments where, again, all matters is that you win and you survive in advance. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, it, it truly is a win-win because either we get a 15 seed in the Final Four, which would be amazing, or we get Duke versus North Carolina in the Final yes. Four. So I, again, it is Duke UNC for the first time ever in the tournament in the Final Four, phenomenal. It'd be awesome. But I've heard a lot about Duke. I'm kind of over it. I don't know if I want to do a whole a whole week of Duke versus UNC talk. I really don't know if I want to. I'm just being <laughs> honest with you. I don't know if I want to. Yeah. So then, so then to kind of transition to Duke here because we got to talk let's about Duke. It. They've yeah. been let's incredible. Do the, let's do. Let's Let's have the Duke conversation. Let's do. And it. and the thing about Duke is like, because I I went back and forth like. Early, so I would say like January, February, really most of the season, Duke was one of the national championship contenders I was considering. I was like, yeah, okay, we have Gonzaga, we have Arizona, we have Duke, and then uh, Kansas. Those were like the four that I was like, these teams are all solid. Like I would say throughout February, that was those were the four for me. And then Duke, they go and they lose to North Carolina on Coach K's final, final game in Cameron, and then a couple weeks later. They just lay an egg in the championship game against Virginia Tech. So now, after this has all happened, you know the AC tournament means nothing to me. Like the conference tournaments next year, this is a mental note for myself. Don't put too much stock in the conference tournaments because they yeah. don't really matter that much. Like they matter, they matter for mid-major teams, sure, but for for like a Duke or a Kansas or these big teams that already are going to be a one, two, or three seed, they don't matter for those teams. So I need to get that out of my mind. Now with Duke, because that that's the reason why I didn't really consider them. I was like, I don't I don't really think Duke can win six straight games. I don't think they can. So I took them out of the conversation. I was like, all right, it's either Arizona, it's Gonzaga, it's Kansas. I started to even consider Villanova a little bit because I really was liking the way that Villanova was played, and I obviously have had a lot of belief in Villanova all year. In fact, I never made a championship prediction. I never made like a like a preseason national title pick. But I, I might have picked Villanova um, if, if I was going to pick at the beginning of the season, which at least that's one win that I have. Villanova's in the Final Four. I've, I've been right about them. Um, but Duke has played amazing, and not only have they played great, not only has Paolo been you know maybe the best player in the country, and it seems like Coach K is, is actually running more like offensive sets. They've, they've implemented the zone, which seems to work pretty good against, I think, Arkansas. They had it at certain times. Like, so, you know, Coach K, he's not doing nothing. I, you know, I, I think – I don't think I can sit up here anymore and say, oh, Coach K's just sitting back and chilling, coasting with the talent. I don't think I can fully say that because he has done a few things here seemingly. Um, but more than anything, the way Duke has closed these games, like the way that they closed against Michigan State, they went on like a 7-0 run the last two, three minutes. Same thing against Texas Tech, like made their free throws, made baskets when it count. And their guards have been so steady. Like Jeremy Roach, Wendell Moore, they've both been awesome. 
I didn't fully expect Jeremy Roach to have this kind of run he's been on, but I really like Jeremy Roach. And then I already talked about Paolo. And the biggest star for me, I, I could have made him, you know, he's not an NBA player. I could have made him small bar player of the week. My favorite Duke player, Mark Williams. I love Mark Williams. You know, and it seems like he very clearly is, like, going to be, like, a 10-year like a NBA player to me. Because when I, I look at his ability to shot block, you know, like, that's clearly going to translate. Uh, his ability to run the rim, run the floor, um, you know, catch alley-oops, dunk the ball. Um, he doesn't have, like, a ton of post moves. You know, he can't really hit a mid-range jump shot or anything like that. So he's not, like, a versatile new-age beggar or anything like that. But he can still fit into a role like, I don't know, Clint Capella or someone like that in the NBA where he's going to be a solid option. So I love Mark Williams. He was awesome last night up against Arkansas. And right now, as we get toward, you know, the Final Four, we haven't even talked about Kansas because, uh, mm -hmm. frankly, I, I don't think I've watched a ton of Kansas because usually it seems like there's always another game going on that's great when Kansas is playing. But as we get to the Final Four, like, I, I really don't know who's going to win. Like, Duke totally might win it all. Kansas totally might win it all. And Villanova, if Justin Moore is healthy, could win it all. Um, I wouldn't even count North Carolina out, you know. I wouldn't completely count them out. Um, but we'll see. I don't know. Because I can't decide. Do do you have like a lean of who you think's gonna win the national title at, at this moment? Uh, if I'm being completely honest, based yeah. off of what I've seen right now and how I'm feeling at the moment, I think it's Dukes to lose. Me I think too. they got everything on their side. I think they got momentum. I think they have people rooting for them. They have the haters that are motivating them. I think this is Dukes' tournament to lose at this point. I really do. Okay. Yeah. I don't, I don't like see, saying like... that, but it, that is just how I feel. That's that's how I feel at the moment. Okay. Yeah, I again, go, go ahead. Go ahead. I'll let you go. I was just going to say, I think after watching Kansas play today, I'll have a better idea. I think I'll be able to decide because with the Justin Moore injury, I, like if you tell me Duke and Villanova are playing in the, in the title with what I know now, I think I'd pick Duke to beat Villanova. Mm -hmm. You know, just because of like they're obviously more talented. I think I'd pick them to beat Villanova, but I don't, I don't know if I'd pick them to beat Kansas or not. And obviously Kansas has to win today. You know, let's you know Miami. Let's give them some respect, I guess. You know, but um, yeah. so we'll see. I, I'm gonna watch the Kansas game today, and then I'll, I'll I'll decide, I guess. I agree with you, and yeah, you kind of made the joke. We haven't talked about Kansas. Here's what I'll say about Kansas: they're good. They're probably gonna win today. Okay, they're probably gonna be the Final Four. Um, that's all I have to say about them. I get, they're good. Like they're the one seed. I I in one of my brackets, I have them winning the whole thing. I think they're a really good team. Okay, they they haven't played poorly. They played well. Um, they're exactly where they're supposed to be. I think they will win today. Now. Let me get back to Duke, okay? Because I said at the beginning of the show, at the top of the show, I have a lot. I had some stuff to get off my chest about Duke, and here's what I'll say. I kind of already said one of it. I think I'm very afraid that they're going to win, Trevor. I really do, okay? I, I think that this is their tournament to lose, like I just said. Everything seems like it's falling into place for Duke. And if think about it. If, if Coach K can go out, one, as a national champion, two, knocking off UNC in the Final Four to get to that championship – after the, he lost his final home game in Cameron Indoor to UNC, again, just another part of the story that would be awesome for him at least. Um, but I said this in, in November, and I still feel this at the moment now. I'm so over the Coach K talk. I'm over it. I am over it. And I think Duke is such a good villain, especially this year, that I've had so much fun. I've had more fun rooting against Duke than I have watching any other game. Seriously. I, I so much love rooting for the team that Duke is playing because I want Duke to lose so bad, that honestly I'm not even mad that Duke keeps winning because that gives me so much more pleasure that I can go all in on the team that they're playing. I think it's so much fun. I think it's great for basketball. I love it. Now, again, I'm tired of the Coach K stuff. I am tired of it, okay? 
I'm so over it. I said this before. I wasn't a fan of him saying before the season that he was that he was going to make essentially this whole season about him and he was going to retire. Look at Roy Williams. Roy Williams is like, I'm out of here. Peace out. All right? And now he's just peacefully watching UNC games from like the third row in the, in the stands. Okay? Didn't like that Coach K was making this whole season about himself. Now, Trevor, I don't know if you saw that video. Did you see the video of apparently there's been a documentary crew following Duke following yeah, this whole Car- year? Carlos okay? Boozer, yeah. Carlos Boozer lets us know that there's this documentary crew all year about Duke. So all those things that Coach K said about how this isn't about me, he's his actions are saying this is absolutely all about him because now we got a documentary crew all, all year. Okay? Not to mention that that clip from the press conference, Trevor, where he said they asked him a question, and he goes, Oh, I want this to be at the about the players, but you can ask me first. Okay, so he's saying, I want the players to be asked, asked questions, but he's saying, oh, but ask me the questions first. All right, I'm so over it. I'm over Coach K, trying to act like this isn't about him. It's so clearly been about him all year, and this tournament's been all about him. I'm over it. It's annoying. I don't hate it, though, because he's such a good villain to, to root against. I enjoy rooting against him. And again, I think they're really good. I think I think, I think, think they're going to be in the national championship. I really do. I think they'll beat yeah. UNC. Again, they lost to him at, to end the regular season. It just makes sense. They're going to beat them. They're going to avenge that loss for Coach K. And then if it was St. Peter's, I think they'll win by 20. Um, mm-hmm. I think they're going to be the national championship game. And honestly, whatever. Okay? If Coach K wins, awesome, good for him. I'm happy for him, sure. If he loses, it'd be really funny that he lost his last game of the championship. So either way, um, I wouldn't be super upset about it. But I, I just wanted to get that out there, that on the internet forever, that I am so over this Coach K stuff. I said it in November, the first week of the season. It, I'm sitting here on, on March 27th, and I'm still over this, this, this whole season being about Coach K and him acting like it's not, and it very clearly is all about him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I agree. I mean, it's it is about him. Um, and you know, I think regardless, like we're gonna have a good ending to the tournament. Like we're gonna get some good yes. games. I mean, if it's mm-hmm. Duke St. Peter's, that won't be a good game. But, but it'd be a cool story. <laughs> it'd be a, it, it'll be it'll be awesome until the game starts, and then it'll suck from there. But up yeah, to that, it'd, it'll, be a, it'll, it'll be a really be cool awesome. story. It'll be awesome yeah. until the game starts. Um, yeah. and then we'll probably get a really good national champion uh, yes. chip game. You know, Hopefully. whoever is in that one. And then, yeah, I mean, like, regardless if Duke wins, if Duke doesn't win, if North Carolina beats Duke, like, regardless of what happens, we have content. We're going to have a ton of stuff to talk about, and that's always great. Yes, absolutely. Um, Trevor, is there anything else we want to touch on? We went long today, but, again, I said this the last couple weeks. I don't care. I could talk about this for four hours if you would let me. Um, But is there anything else you want to cover before we wrap this up and we send these folks on their way? Nah, I think that's it. We got about a, uh, an hour toward, until the Kansas game, so I think that's it. Yes, we do. Again, you might be listening to this, listening to this going, I already know who's in the Final Four, um, but we have no idea, okay? We have no idea, and I'm super excited for these games. Again, I, I this tournament's been awesome this year. There's been so many great stories. I'm excited to continue to, to see what is going to play out, all right? But we will wrap it up there. Again, thank you guys so much for listening. We, we really do appreciate it. Brandon's not here. His actions are telling telling all you people listening that he doesn't care about you because he's choosing not to be on uh, this podcast for like the last year. But that's okay. We'll, we'll forgive him, and hopefully you guys can forgive him too when he comes back next week or, I don't know, in like the next month or so. Um, but I'm just joking. That's not, a, that's not a shot at Brandon. It kind of is, but it's what I do. Okay, it is what it is. Um, again, we really do appreciate your support. Hopefully you've been enjoying this, this tournament and, and the crazy world of sports these last couple months as we have. We appreciate you following along with us as we uh, get some stuff off our chest and complain about Coach K and and do all these things that we like to do on this podcast. But um, I think we're done there. With that being said, thank you all so much for listening, and we will see you all next time. Go Falcons!